Okay. So this is the Maimir Matzazu, this Matzah, which was uh, published Achrin Shel Pesach Tavshimem Tes. And it begins with the line from the Haggadah. Matzazu Sha'ano Eichlim Al Shuma. This matzah that we eat, why do we do it? Or for what reason? And uh, if you notice in the Haggadah, it mentions that it's a custom that when you say matzazu, as well as morozeh, you actually, uh, or arminig is to touch the matzah, as opposed to, to lifting it, but you actually indicate this matzah because it uses that demonstrative pronoun so you're literally i mean it's one line in the haggadah where it tells you to use props this matzah okay and that's important because when we say this matzah we're not just talking about matzah in the abstract sense we're talking about this matzah on our table that we are about to eat okay so this matzah that we eat for what purpose why what's the what's the reason behind it the Haggadah continues and says al shum because the dough of our forefathers did not have time to rise before the Holy One, the Blessed Be He, the King of all kings, revealed Himself to them and revealed them and, and redeemed them. So the whole thing happened so fast. They were brought out of Egypt so fast. They didn't even have time for the bread to rise. Okay, fine, no problem. Simple enough. And it's explained in the Maimodim of the Rebbeim. Specifically, there's a Maimon Lukutetera from the Alter Rebbe, upon which this Maimer is largely based. So it's explained in the Maimorum of the Rebbeim, uh, 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 particularly a Maimer and Lukutetera from the Alter Rebbe. This that we say, that the Haggadah has us say, that the reason we're eating matzah is because our ancestors were, they left in such haste, in such a rush, they didn't even have time for their bread to rise. It's a little bit puzzling. Why? Because the commandment to eat matzah took place before that. Or I should say the fulfillment of the commandment to eat matzah took place before that. In other words... <laughs> We eat matzah on Pesach to commemorate the Exodus, but they also ate matzah on Pesach at the time of the Exodus. In fact, if you want to be really technical, prior to the Exodus, because they ate their matzah before they left Mitzrayim. That was Pesach Mitzrayim. The first Korban Pesach and the first Seder was in Mitzrayim. And the fact that they ate matzah had nothing to do with leaving in haste. They hadn't, they hadn't even left yet. 
They were eating matzah because it was a commandment. It was a commandment to take this sheep and to slaughter it and to roast it and to eat it with matzah and with marah. So they were eating matzah as a commandment in Mitzrayim. Not because of this technical reason that the bread didn't have time to rise. The commandment to eat matzah says like this, In the evening, you shall eat matzah. He's talking about the evening when it becomes the 15th of Pesach. Matzah chaser vav. But if you look, the word matzah, it's a plural, matzah, but it's spelled chaser. It's spelled missing the vav. In a Sefer Torah, sometimes we have mole, sometimes we have chaser, sometimes we have certain letters that may be present or may not be present. So in this case, the word matzah which we would normally write with a vav, it doesn't have the vav, but it's known to be, it's known to be, the vav is understood. Now in contrast, there's another verse, which comes, uh, it's in the same parsha, but uh, several psukim later. And in that verse, see the prior verse that we just read is a commandment. This verse that we're reading now is a narrative. So the commandment, where it says, eat matzahs, imperative statement. It's matzois chaser vav, matzois spelled without the vav. But then in this verse, which is, you know, several verses later, where it's telling the narrative, it says, and they baked the dough, because uh, uh, the, the, they baked the dough that they brought out of Mitzrayim as cakes of matzahs, unleavened cakes. And there, matzahs is spelled, ksiv, matzahs, it's written there, matzahs, malevav, with a vav. Okay. The passage itself, the heading of the Maimon, without the vav, matzahzu, we're talking about this matzah, which is, didn't, didn't rise, is spelled without the vav. Matzazu is the singular, though. It's not, there's no vav at all. Because there's only the singular. But when we have the plural, matzais, occurring in Torah, first you have it as a command in connection with the observance of the Korban Pesach on the night of the 15th. Later on, you have it as a narrative describing what in fact happened, right? That they baked the dough which they brought out of Mitzrayim. The first time it's written matzois, but it's not spelled with a vav. The second time it's matzois, it's spelled with a vav. Okay. Now, what, what's, the, what's the significance? So Chassidus explains. The command, the command to eat matzah was fulfilled before midnight. Right? Because the matzah was supposed to be eaten with the Korban Pesach. And one of the things, one of the stipulations we all know, and in fact we retain it symbolically, and by symbolically I don't mean to diminish its weight, I mean it's a halacha, but uh, we retain the symbolism of the Korban Pesach being eaten before midnight 
until this day by eating the afikoimen before midnight, at least on, on the first night. So the Korban Pesach, when, when I say Korban Pesach, I mean the actual lamb, the roast lamb, had to be eaten before midnight. And the matzah was to be eaten, matzah as well as the mara, were to be eaten with the Korban Pesach. So the matzah had to be eaten, the matzah that was a command to eat, had to be eaten before midnight. Now if you want to talk about chronologically when that was, that was before they left Egypt, and in fact it was even before what happened at midnight. Right? So we're really talking, they're still, nothing's changed. I mean, there have been plagues going on now for a year, but what I'm saying is they're still in Mitzrayim, they have not left, and certainly they have not yet experienced what we refer to as this sudden revelation of God. They're still in Mitzrayim, and they're fulfilling the commandment of eating matzah. Why? Why are they eating matzah? Because it's a command to eat matzah. Okay. And that matzah is written without avav. And the reason that matzah is written without avav, the lack of the vav indicates a certain qualitative lack. That is the matzah of Mitzrayim. That is the matzah, meaning whatever matzahs represent spiritually, which we'll get into later. Whatever matzahs represents spiritually, when it took place while they were still unredeemed, while they were still in Egypt, that matzahs has some deficiency to it, which is why it's written, chaser, deficient, Lacking its vav. Okay. Lifnei shenigla aleim melech machem lochem hakadosh baruch hu. Specifically, this matzah was eaten before that turning point, that great event where Hashem revealed Himself. Lochein bematzazu. Therefore, with this matzah, meaning the matzah that is mentioned in the commandment to eat matzah, ksiv matzos chaser vav. The word matzos is written deficient, missing its vav. Vav in general this describes hamshacha, drawing down. Just in general, when we talk about vav, vav is one of the letters of Hashem's name. There's a yud and a hey and a vav and a hey, and uh, vav represents hamshacha, drawing down from one level to the next. That's why um, vav represents. If you talk about the four letters representing the four worlds. So, Vav is Elam HaYetzira, is the world of, of Yetzira, which, which is mostly an emotional world. Or if you talk about it in terms of groups of Sphirois, Vav is the Midois, or what we call as, uh, we call it uh, the parts of, uh, of Zah, which is the same as the Midois. And how many Midois? Six Midois. Vav is Gematria, six. Uh, but the point is, and it talks about it in Nigeres um, HaTshuva, that the vav is actually the, the tnua, the shape of the letter, shows you its function. It's like a little pipeline. In fact, one of my kids, I think it's my oldest kid, I'm just, time flies, but uh, 
my daughter, she's almost 18 now, but when she was little, and we used to ask her, you know, to you know, point in a siddur and identify the different letters. So when she would see a vav, she would say, Zhupi Zhup Vav. Zhupi Zhup Vav, because why? Zhup, Zhup, right? So a vav is Zhupi Zhup Vav. It's Zhup, it makes like a... Zhup is the onomatopoeia for what a vav does. At any rate, the point is that whatever was happening with the matzahs that they were eating as a commandment while still in Mitzrayim, prior to the revelation of Hashem. Um, it, it, it was matzahs. It symbolized uh, whatever it is that matzahs symbolize, which will, I guess, I suppose will, will, will... It's always a question how much, how early to reveal things. I mean, it's not a, it's not a big spoiler. We all know that matzah rep- represents humility. The chometz is ego, E-G-O, edging God out, and uh, matzah is flat, humble. It allows it allows Hashem in. So, and, and and we'll talk a little bit about what that means. The difference between matzah that's matzah but it's deficient matzah, and matzah that's matzah and it's complete matzah. But the point is, it's missing a vav. It's missing that hamshacha. Something isn't being brought down all the way. And that's the matzah they were commanded to eat. Okay. Masha'ain came bapasak ve'yefu asabatsak ashahetziyo mimitzrayim ugeis matzah iskaymer. In contrast, the verse, which is the narrative that says they baked the dough that they brought out with them from Mitzrayim as cakes of unleavened bread, that's describing the matzah that they ate, that they both baked and ate after they left Mitzrayim. The dough which they brought out of Mitzrayim. That was after midnight. Were they commanded to only have ma- to only have this matzah, or they were able to have chametz and matzah at that time? You can't have chametz with the korban pesach. But you had an iser of chametz before chatzais. They also had an iser of chametz. Sure, yeah. But the matzah that they ate later after midnight was after that turning point, after the King of all kings, the Holy and Blessed be He, revealed Himself to them and, re- and redeemed them. That's why this matzah is written, where matzois is written complete with its vav. That's why also this matzah, this answers your question about chametz, this matzah that's written before chatzais, the matzah that they were commanded to eat, it says you shall guard the matzahs. What does it mean to guard them? Lock them up because they're expensive. You know, you bunch more matzah, it's expensive. Got to put a, put a burglar alarm on your matzah. What does it mean to guard the matzah? That it shouldn't become chametz. Because... I don't know a lot of food chemistry, but one thing I know is if you add water to flour, well, 
of the five species of grain, the clock starts ticking, right? And Chazal tell us you have 18 minutes before chimutz, before the leavening process kicks in. So ushmartem esamatzais means to prevent that from happening. Don't let that happen. So think about it. The matzah that they were commanded to eat as part of the Korban Pesach, which they performed while still in Mitzrayim, before Hashem revealed Himself to them, it says, watch these matzahs. Prevent them from, being, from becoming chametz. So there's some sort of, um, let's say, concern or worry that inevitably they would have become chametz. Now, that itself indicates a certain deficiency. It would have become chametz if it weren't for intervention. You know how close this thing was to becoming chametz, but we caught it, we stopped it, we didn't let it become chametz. So it's not that it's inherently matzah. It's matzah because of careful intervention. And, and, and that is reflective of the deficiency of that Matzois. So the fact that this matzois is written without a vav, it's related to the concept that this matzois had to be guarded, had to be prevented from becoming chametz, or it otherwise inevitably, automatically, naturally would have would have done so. As opposed to what? As opposed to, I guess. You put the water on the flour, nothing happens. It doesn't become chametz. No pressure. No ticking time bomb. As if it were impossible to become chametz. Let's look here. So talking about the matzah that was before chatzos, the matzah that was eaten as the mitzvah, as the mitzvah, the matzah that's written matzos chaser vav, and the matzos about which it says, and you should guard it, watch over it, It needs to be watched that it shouldn't become chametz. Inevitably, it would have become. Whereas when we're talking about the matzah, that's after midnight, there it's written, and they baked the bread, etc., as unleavened cakes because it wasn't chametz, or it didn't become chametz, or it didn't leaven. In other words, it's not saying, hey, don't, don't let that become leaven, watch that thing. Stay on top of it. It's, just, it's not even talking to anyone. It's not an imperative sentence. It's, it's just reporting a fact. It's just reporting a fact. They bake the bread. doesn't even say anyone was particularly careful to, to make sure that that's what would happen. That was just the, the Matthias. That's how, it, that's how it took place. You know, like we say, Afamaisafrekmanishkinkashis. There's an expression in, in, in Yiddish, don't ask a question on a story. By the way, I've heard that statement or that saying misused many times. People tell crazy stories that they know are made up, and then they say, hey, 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 which basically means poetic license. 
if if it's a story, then I'm uh, then wink wink. I'm allowed to lie to you, right? If I call it a story, that's not what it means. A kasha doesn't mean that. A kasha means like this. A kasha is um, like a real kasha, not a, not a, not not stamashayla. A kasha means like oh, I caught a contradiction. If I were explaining an idea to you, you could have a kasha on me. Because maybe you're poking holes in my, my argument. Maybe my argument doesn't hold water. So you might have a kasha on me. But let's say I'm telling you a story. I'm telling you what happened. I'm, I'm reporting to you a narrative. And it is, oh, oh, but why did it happen like that? What do you mean, why did it happen like that? Oh, but why were you sitting next to that guy on the airplane? Because that's why I was sitting. Don't, don't try to catch me. There's no gotcha here. This is how it happened. Does it make sense? It doesn't... I'm not explaining an idea to you. I'm reporting to you facts that occurred. This is this is what happened. So that's why we say for mysafrekmishkin kashas. You don't ask. You don't even seek to, to to poke holes in the logic of a story. There doesn't have to be logic to it. That's what that's that's what happened. Okay. Now, why was the matzah after chatzos after they left Mitzrayim? Why was it matzah? They didn't have a commandment to eat matzah. So why were they eating matzah? I don't know. If I'm nice for Mishkin Kasha, that's what happened. That's the narrative. It didn't rise. It's just a fact. It didn't rise. Now, the funny thing is, he doesn't go into it in this Mimer, but in the Al-Tarebbe's Mimer he does, We think of it, I don't know, we think of it, I, I'm using the royal we over here, but ever since I was a kid, I assumed that it meant they were so hurried leaving Mitzrayim that the bread didn't even have time to rise. But you know how fast that would be? That's 18 minutes? They had to leave in 18 minutes? Three million people. Uh, yeah, three million, I mean, 600,000 heads of household. So however many people, three million people, however you cal- calculate that. Yeah, Jewish people packing up kids after 210 years. So it didn't, hap- it didn't happen in 18 minutes. So the Alter Rebbe says, it's not that they left in less than 18 minutes. It was more than 18 minutes. And the dough didn't rise. Why didn't it rise? How could dough rise when the Abishta is in the middle of revealing himself to you? How can there be chomets? How can there be haughtiness, puffiness, ego when the Abishta is revealed? It just it can't happen. So this is what he says here. Shema That on its own it didn't leaven. There was no shimur. It wasn't because of human intervention to prevent it from becoming chametz. That's what happened before chatzos. We were watching the bread or the the dough that it shouldn't become uh, chametz because we had a mitzvah to eat matzah. But when they left Mitzrayim, that's just what happened. It just didn't become chametz. It was matzah. And why? Not because of the rush, but because of the level of spiritual revelation. 
It couldn't happen. Matzah couldn't become chametz under those conditions. Ki matzah she'achrei chatzois, he beginis matzois malevav. The matzah that's after midnight, that's matzois with a vav. Written full, written completely. In other words, you have two types of bittel, two types of selflessness here. They're both matzah, they're both selfless. But one is, it's hard work to be this selfless. If I would let myself go, if I weren't mindful, vigilant, about the potential for this ego to assert itself, that is exactly what would happen. It would just get completely out of control. And therefore, I watch my dough, and I don't allow it to become chametz. But that's the only thing that keeps it from becoming chametz. It's not automatic. Requires vigilance. So that's one kind of selflessness. Selflessness, which is the product of self-abnegation. There is a self, a potentially very um, strong sense of self, but I abnegate it. I nullify it. As opposed to what? As opposed to matzais malevav, with the vav, matzais that couldn't even become chametz. There's so much godly revelation. Hashem is so obvious. Hashem is so empirically obvious in my life. It's not that I'm careful not to assert my ego out of deference to Hashem. <laughs> How could you even assert your ego when Hashem is that revealed? You know, it's like a chassid. A chassid is standing in front of the rabbi. It's not an avoida to be his batlos, to be nullified. It's just an automatic thing that happens. You know, people would go into yechidus with their whole shopping list and couldn't open their mouth. They couldn't remember what they went in for. But when you're on your own, quote-unquote, and you feel that no one's necessarily watching, it takes work. It takes work to, to do what you're supposed to do instead of do what you feel, feel like doing. Now, the thing, okay, let me, let's just finish the sentence here. So then there's the, the, the higher level, the after midnight matzah, which is malifov, which comes after Hagilui de Nigla Alea Melech Machem Mochem Akadish Borchu, after that revelation, Lochain Ain Sricha Shimur Mechimots, it doesn't even need to be guarded from leavening. So, why is yeah. all these references to it not having time to rise? I've always heard that. Yeah. They did leave in haste. It is true that they left in haste. But the point the Altarebbe makes is, even with all that haste, and even with the miraculous nature of their leaving, it still isn't less than 18 minutes. <coughs> so, 
They left fast, maybe even miraculously so. But that's not why the, the, the chametz, that's not why the matzah didn't become chametz. The matzah didn't become chametz because under those spiritual conditions, there was no such thing as chametz. Couldn't happen. Couldn't happen. Vihine, okay, we're on, on the next paragraph now. Vihine. This distinction between pre-midnight matzah and post-midnight matzah only existed it only existed in the first Pesach. Meaning to say that they had a they ate matzah before midnight because they had a command. They ate matzah after midnight because they had nothing else. That's what it was. So that distinction that there's pre-midnight matzah and post-midnight matzah, that only happened the first year. Lifne matan Torah before the giving of the Torah. Mashain and Lachre Matan Torah. Not so, after the giving of the Torah. Even though the matzah that we eat on the night of Pesach is before midnight, we have the full benefit of the higher level of matzahs malivav. Which has within it also, he says in parentheses, also the virtue of Hashem revealing Himself upon them. In other words, when they ate matzah the first time, there was a point before Hashem revealed Himself, and there was a point after Hashem revealed Himself. When we're eating matzah, the whole thing is after Hashem revealed Himself. After the miraculous exodus from Egypt. So our matzah pre-midnight has the virtues of post-midnight. And yet, you see there, it says gam in parentheses, also in parentheses, meaning best of both worlds. Best of both worlds. (laughs) Because... (laughs) There's a certain virtue, you know, yesh bezeh, mashein bezeh, different pros and cons. There's, obviously, if you're talking about what's a higher level of bittel, lower level of bittel, there's no question. Matzois molevav, the higher level of bittel is post-midnight, first year post-midnight bittel. Hashem is revealed and there's no potential for, for ego. Nevertheless, there is a certain virtue, there's a certain advantage to the bittel that's a product of human effort. What did uh, John Houseman used to say? We make make our money the old-fashioned way? Oh gosh, you guys, 
We earn it. We earn it. Yeah, okay, fine. So we achieve our we achieve our bittle the old fashioned way. The pre midnight way. The way they did it back in Egypt. They didn't have any back in Egypt. If they wanted bittel, they had to do it to themselves. They had to actually force themselves to have bittel. You had to work for it. So there's, there's a certain benefit in that kind of bittel as well. So even though it's matzois choser it's a lower level of bittel, but it has a certain virtue to it. So when we eat the matzah, and our matzois have post-midnight spirituality to them, but we don't lose out on also having pre-midnight spirituality, which is the bittel that is only achieved through, through hard work, through effort. Thank you. That's why when we point at our matzahs and say, this matzah, with the demonstrative pronoun, this very matzah, right here. Like I said, it's the one part in the Haggadah where we have props. This matzah that we're eating, why are we eating it? We're eating it because of what? It doesn't say we're eating. It's funny. <laughs> Why do we do anything in Yiddishkeit? Because it's a mitzvah. Because the Hebrews told you to do it. But that's not what we say. We don't say, This matzah that we're eating. Ashuma. Why? What are we doing it for? Well, what are we doing? Because the Hebrews told us to eat it. Because there's a commandment to eat matzah. That's not what we say. We say, Shalehispik cholo. Lahachmitz. That the dough didn't manage to rise. And the dough didn't manage to rise doesn't mean like we always thought it meant because the whole thing took place in less than 18 minutes. Like the Alta Rebbe says, that, that would be ridiculous. What it really means is, he says in parentheses here, that on its own it didn't rise. It couldn't rise. That under those conditions it was never going to rise. Because the bittal was so pervasive at that time. And this matzah, matzah zu, on, on our table, has that quality of matzah that is matzah because it cannot be anything else. That matzah that they ate while Hashem was revealing Himself to them the king of all kings, and redeeming them. Okay, that's the end of Is Aleph, chapter 1. But obviously, we still have to be shamer and matzahs in ordinary fashion, even Correct. if you're saying they have the quality of post Gili and Yes, um, I'm glad you asked that, just in case anybody is uh, thinking of doing it otherwise. 
Yeah, I mean, yes, let's make sure this is clear. And we also have to fight our physicality to be spiritual people. Yes, right. So, we'll pray. <laughs> this isn't saying that since Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, there's no such thing as chametz in the world. Obviously, if you don't watch dough and bake it within 18 minutes, it's going to become chametz. The point is that after those provisions have been seen after, after you've seen after those uh, provisions or those stipulations, and now you have real matzah, and you put it on your Seder table, what spiritual quality does it represent? It represents the higher level of bittel. All matzah is bittel. That's what it is. It's, it's, like, it's a physical representation of selflessness, of the, of the humility. But within humility itself, there are two levels. And our matzah represents the higher level. The matzah that they ate before they left Mitzrayim was purely the lower level. They were holding themselves in check. The matzah, in contrast, that they ate after midnight, after they left Egypt, was the higher bittel. Why should that be higher if it's automatic? The first, like you said, okay, so I did too good of a job explaining to you that there's also a virtue in the lower level. But why should it be higher? Because, you know, the old marshal, but the guy who wanted to climb the mountain, and he went and he bought all the gear and the stuff and he trained and he whatever. I mean, you could drag it out, but all right. So that you know, whatever. So pretend it took me five minutes to build up the whole thing, and then he gets to the peak of the mountain. Say, I spared you the five minutes. Okay. The punchline is he gets to the peak of the mountain, and there's a little boy playing on the peak of the mountain. And he called Child Protective Services. No, there's a little boy playing on the peak of the mountain. And he says, little boy, it took me so many years of training and preparation to get to this mountain top. How did you get here? And the little boy says, I was born here. Okay. <coughs> so if you want to talk about an achievement... The little boy didn't achieve anything. But nevertheless, he's there. He's there. And he was there first. <laughs> he was there before the guy. And he's higher than the guy. I mean, at least until, well, until the guy gets to the, to the peak. And if the little boy will start climbing, he's got a head start. So there's a Hayyemi that says that when you're taken by the hand, you can go higher. But when you do it on your own, it's more precious. So there is a value to bittel that is self-imposed. It's more precious. No question more precious because it's earned. But on the other hand, bittel that is granted from above, I mean, this is always the case with any matona milmaila, any isarusa de la elo. You can't compete with an isarusa de la elo. I mean... There's a certain subjective value to the Isidus de la Sata, 
that when you earn something, you work for it, there's a certain subjective value. But you can't ultimately, you're talking about, you know, objectively, you can't compete with, you can't compete with God. So the level of bittel that Hashem is able to impose unilaterally from above is a lot more impressive than the bittel that you could ever achieve. Now I brainwashed you back the other way, right? No, because I still think I'm a you still see it. So I don't see the. So you don't see the benefit in it at all. No, for sure it is. Like the mice said, where he he wanted to reach. I'm trying to remember the story, but one of the rabbim wanted to reach, and he said he wanted it on his own, and they said it was a mistake because he should have. He, he had an opportunity. The the the, 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 the wanted to give the Tamech Tzedek a bracha. Uh-huh. For Hatzlach and Limit Torah. And he didn't want it because he knew Chabad Mont Pneumius, that everything in Chabad, you know, the whole relationship with the Rebbe is different than the Pelashe Derech, which was Tzadik Bemenose Yechaye. Like the Kalina used to, to read the, the Pasuk, that the Tzadik lifts you up. And, and, and the Alter Rebbe used to say, no, Tzadik Bemenose Yechaye, which is how the Pasuk is written also. That uh, the, the Tzadik is a model, is a role model, is a Dugmachaye. He's. You know, he'll even give you the tools. He'll, he'll, he'll teach you what to do, but you have to do the work. Right? And then the Tzemech Tzedek said, but you know what? Because Torah is infinite, I should have taken the head start. And wherever I would have started from, there would have been toil. You're never going to graduate from any toil. There's always going to be toil. But at any rate, this is where the mime is heading anyways, because we're going to talk about the best of both worlds, and even higher than the best of both worlds. Because right now, it's till, till this point in the Mimer, what did we say? That there, there's A and there's B. There's pre-midnight matzah, which is the lower level of Bittal. And there's B is post-midnight matzah, which is a higher level of Bittal. And that our matzah, even though we eat it before midnight, has the virtue of post-midnight matzah. But it's also has the benefits of lower-level bittel, pre-midnight matzah. So we have both of them, and yet we have even more than that, because we have not just a combination of the two, but we have something that's even higher than either of them. Huh? What's that? Something higher than even, even higher than either of them? I mean, this is what it talks about in chapter two. Okay. But we don't, I don't. I don't I f- we don't really have time. So I think it's. Uh, I think that's our cliffhanger. Maybe we'll have a cliffhanger. Yeah. You know, the cliffhangers were a real, a literal thing, in the old uh, serials. They used to, the 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 hero of the. The story would be hanging from a cliff, and that would be the end of the episode. And you have to come back and find out what happens. Does he fall off the cliff? Okay. Anyway, the Metzoshem. Not a long mime. We'll, we'll we'll finish it before Pesach. But uh, let's let's maybe stop here and.